Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. I am always looking for a great gift idea, and Coconut Personal Lubricants are always a huge hit for your partners and the perfect Valentine's Day gift. If you're making clean ingredient swaps, it is so important to make sure you are getting quality ingredients that are good for your body, inside and out. Coconut oil and water-based lubricants have the healthiest ingredients list I've seen. They use all natural ingredients, are cruelty-free, made in the USA, and their packaging is plastic-free. For an exclusive discount code, head to coconut.com. That is coconut without the T. And use code CARALYN15 for 15% off your order. That's K-A-R-A-L-Y-N-N-E-1-5. My code stacks with their on-site discounts, so order today and thank me tomorrow. Dr. Mallory Craycroft is an OBGYN who has been helping women for the past 13 years. In 2021, she founded Uplift for Her, a comprehensive health and wellness company dedicated to understanding women and striving to help them feel their best in every way, emotionally, mentally, and physically. Dr. Craycroft currently lives in Salt Lake City, Utah, with her husband and two daughters, where she continues to practice today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Craycroft. I am so excited to have you here today, and thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you about all things with women, hormones, postpartum, all of those things. I know my listeners are excited to hear about this as well. But first of all, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and maybe the type of medicine that you're currently practicing. So I am originally from Seattle, Washington area and grew up there and then did my undergraduate education actually in choral education. So I was a choir teacher for a very brief period of my life. And then went on to medicine and um, went to medical school and residency in obstetrics and gynecology, and then started practicing here in Salt Lake City about 10 years ago. And so since then, I've just been practicing what I call conventional OBGYN, what most women expect when they go to their OBGYN, and have absolutely loved it and loved my experience there. Over the past couple of years, especially with you know the stress of pandemic and world changes and world stress. I've seen more and more patients start to have issues with stress and chronic inflammation or these problems of them coming and saying, I've been to five other doctors. No one can figure out what's wrong with me. All I know is I don't feel good. I started a few years ago now studying functional medicine and which is root cause medicine, you know, getting to the base of, of what's really going on. And along that path discovered as well, wellness, which is sort of the counterpart to our bodies and our minds and our hearts, right? There's these two parts that kind of come together. And so I've studied a lot about wellness and a lot about medicine and functional medicine and integrative medicine, and am just sort of putting all of that together to, I think, treat the whole woman instead of saying, I'm going to treat this part and this part, but really to say like, we've got to treat all of you. If you want to feel your best and be your best and do your best, we have to address all of it. So it's been a really exciting journey for me. I love that. I love that you're treating the whole, the whole body rather than just individual parts. Okay, so being a functional OBGYN, is that how it's different from a normal OBGYN is that you're looking at the whole rather than just individual parts of the body? 
Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of definitions that have really been, you know, officially declared. So I think there's a lot of crossover between functional and integrative and alternative, and it kind of depends on who you talk to a little bit. I think of functional as really being that root cause. Functional medicine tends to really look at lab values and dig into a lot of gut health and find the physiologic mechanisms of what's going on. Integrative medicine focuses a lot on things that support your body like yoga or acupuncture and they have a lot of crossover because both of them talk about nutrition and stress and parasympathetic response. So there's really a lot of crossover and I I'm happy in the crossover. I like not being defined by I am this or I am that, but I am mostly functional trained personally. So yeah, it kind of depends who you talk to, but the main difference is from a conventional OBGYN is conventional OBGYN, the way that we're trained is very problem oriented. So if you come to me and you say, I have painful periods, then we're trained to address that painful period, oftentimes with a prescription, oftentimes with a procedure or a surgery. And we're not really trained a lot in lifestyle modification. And for me, that's what I feel like was lacking a little bit, but I'm also really grateful for my training because not everyone is at a place where they can make massive lifestyle overhauls that minute. And so I like that I have my conventional training that I can say, we can get you feeling better. And then when you feel better, let's really dig into the lifestyle and fix everything. And then get you off of that pharmaceutical. That's sort of my dream approach to taking care of women is to be able to give them all of the possible options, conventional to functional and integrative and make something that's custom for them, that works for them to get the outcome that they want. You are my dream because I always say we need to take the best from the conventional medicine and the best with the functional medicine and join them together because there's great things in both of them rather than being so one side or the other. So thank you for what you're doing. I actually really appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, so let's talk about mental health, mental wellness. On Instagram, you share a lot about how mental wellness can improve our physical health. And what do you mean by mental wellness? Are you talking about depression, anxiety, all of that? When I talk about wellness, I think of it as six main categories, six main pillars. And emotional or mental wellness is one of those. But when we talk about wellness, in my mind, we're talking about how to be your best, how to feel your best. And that's going to be a little bit different for everyone because some people prioritize things differently. So Wellness, I define as the systems and routines that you need to put in place to live your happiest and best life. And so it can be really vague. I leave it vague intentionally, but so emotional wellness is only one part of that. Then we have environmental wellness, social wellness, intellectual wellness, physical wellness, and spiritual wellness. So really to look at our full wellness to say, how do I become the very best version of myself? we can break it down into these different categories and then move from there to say, how do I optimize this? In answer to your question, when we look at specifically emotional or mental wellness, it could be mental illness and disease like depression or anxiety. And so many of us have had experience with that at some level on the spectrum of mental health. But I like to talk about it for everyone from sort of a preventative standpoint, because everyone has some experience. So if you haven't had full-blown diagnosed depression, we should still talk. We should absolutely talk about how to optimize your wellness, because if you're firing at, you know, half of your cylinders, you're not going to have as good of a life as you could. And really what I hope for is 
happiness and fulfillment. And, you know, it's not all about happiness because sometimes we have sad things happen in life, but can you approach it? Can you manage it the way that you want to? So it's really, really about focusing on the individual. I love that idea of six pillars to be completely healthy. I could do a podcast with you just on all six pillars and talk about all of those. Let's talk about mental wellness a little bit more. You said that there's preventative measures that people can do. What are some of those? Well, gosh, it's a huge topic. I think that one of the first things that I, so I offer wellness coaching to women that we can kind of sit down and break down their six pillars and be able to say like, well, how do we boost this up? And one of the first things that I find, even if I don't bring it up, one of the first things that always comes up is the relationship with self. So self-love, self-compassion, which sounds kind of funny coming from a doctor, right? Because that's not really what I was trained initially in to deal with, but it's massive. It's massive. It affects every aspect of our being. So I like to focus first on that relationship with self and that conversation with self. And first, one of the phrases that I like to kind of drill in is observe, don't judge. Just pay attention to what's going on in your thoughts. Pay attention to how you react to yourself. Because if you react to yourself in a way that's kind of harsh, like, oh, Mallory, you are such an idiot. Like, why did you do that again? Or like, oh, you'll never be able to do that. We would never talk to our friends that way. We would never talk to our children that way. And yet we are so harsh on ourselves. And the the thing that I wish I could shout from the rooftops is that that is not benign. It's not without consequence because the thoughts and feelings that we have don't happen outside of our physical bodies. They're in our physical bodies. And so every thought and emotion we have has a biochemical downstream effect. For example, if we are talking or we're falling in love or we're holding our brand new baby, our brains release oxytocin. So if we're stressed about something and we're having this stressful thought like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous about this presentation at work, our brains cause a release of cortisol. So we can't think that these thoughts don't matter. We have to change those thoughts, both for our happiness and our fulfillment in life, but absolutely it then has downstream consequences in our bodies. And so the first thing I really like to dig into is thoughts and relationship with self. Wow. I'm sitting here thinking there's quite a few profound things that you just said that I really want to think about. I mean, saying observe, don't judge. That's huge. Like your first step to healing is observing. So just observe and be, be loving to your body. Don't judge so harsh. But then second, I love that you say that our emotions are inside our body. They're not outside They're That's true. They are inside our body and it's going to cause some effect biologically on our body. So thank you. That is really profound. And I think there's really clear examples. Sometimes that's a little bit of a rough sell, but I think there's really clear examples. If you've ever had to do something that you're nervous about, like stand up in front of a group of people, how many people get a headache or get a stomach ache, you know, their stomach gets upset or their hands start shaking. Like that's a physical reaction to a thought that you're having. So it's not a, maybe we should think about our thoughts. We have to think about our thoughts. So there's, there's obvious examples of it. Right. Well, and I know for sure my cortisol has been a mess lately and it's been due to stress. I just think, oh, I have too much to do, too much to do. So I've been trying to change my thought practice and then that has helped a lot as well with the stress. So it's true. Okay. So when someone is on a mental healing journey, maybe I should say, are there dietary changes that they could take that would be helpful? 
Yeah. I mean, you speak about this all the time. And I think that decreasing inflammatory sources is really important and probably in, in some ways that we don't quite understand, but a lot of ways that we do understand. So just like what you're always talking about is eating a whole foods diet and decreasing processed foods and decreasing um, insulin spikes, you know, by, by decreasing really sugary foods or high carb foods, and really just trying to simplify what we're giving our body, I think can have big long-term effects that some people don't even recognize until they're deep into it. One of the things that I deal with the most that we can see this in is sometimes for PMS symptoms, dairy has a weird association with women and hormonal changes. And sometimes people will cut out dairy and really notice PMS symptoms, including that moodiness really start to go away. So there are definitely connections that don't necessarily make a lot of sense from the outside. If you know the connection about how those inflammatory mediators are affected by dietary exposures, then you start to see, oh my goodness, like the food that I'm eating actually is affecting it. And I also think there's a shift in attitude that can occur too. One of the things I find myself telling patients the most is, especially in this time where you're not alone in being really stressed right now, I think 95% of the population is a little bit not at their best in terms of stress. And so one of the things that I find myself saying over and over is you are depleted and people will be like, yeah. And I'll say you're depleted in your energy. You're depleted in your nutrients. You're depleted in your emotional reserves and you're depleted in sleep. And people will just be like, yes, yes, yes. I feel that is the root of what I feel is depletion. And so we talk about, okay, let's nourish, let's fill. And if you talk to just about anyone about nourishment and food, they're instantly going to think about, okay, vegetables and healthy foods. They're not going to be like, so you're saying I should eat more Doritos. Like, <laughs> you know, people know this in, inherently, they know, like, you're right. I need to nourish my body. I need to give it what it needs. Well, and it's actually doing that. That is the hard part, actually nourishing oh, yes. your body, getting enough fruits and vegetables in that is hard. Yeah. But talking about depletion, I know that stress can just deplete hormones, especially mm -hmm. And so, yes, nourishing, I know, is really important. So what about lifestyle factors? Does that contribute to this mental wellness as well? Yes, <laughs> hugely, <laughs> right? Hugely. And this is something that I think everyone would answer that question like, yes, I think. But really, it, it goes into so much of it. If we think about sleep, we all know if you've had a couple nights where you're not getting a good night's sleep, you know you snap right? You know, you're not at your best. And so we've had that experience. And then you take people who are like functioning at 80% or 70% or 40% with regards to rest and sleep. And you say, how do you expect to be functioning at your best? You can't, you can't be expected to function at your best. And so really that's one of the things we have to focus on is sleep. And I like to say body movement. I think exercise can have a negative connotation for some people like pressure. If we say exercise, then instantly it's like, oh, you mean, so I have to go to the gym five days a week and you're like movement, any movement, let's start with movement and really getting those endorphins going and getting that, I think sunlight and getting in nature. Like there are some pretty core lifestyle changes that are so valuable for our mental wellness, but the benefit is it's like six for one, you know, you go do one of these big lifestyle changes, like get adequate sleep and your cortisol levels improve and your blood sugar levels improve and your memory storage improves. So the brain fog goes away. Your neurotransmitters get better. Your healing gets better. Your gut gets, I mean, it's like you won the lottery. Like there's big bang for the buck in terms of these core lifestyle changes. 
I love that uh, perspective because I hadn't really thought about that. I know sleep has so many benefits. Exercise has so many benefits, but you're right. It's just a big bang for your buck. Okay, talking about hormones. Well, actually, let's talk about hormones a little bit because women are always asking me about hormones. So obviously, hormones play a role in our mental well-being. So first of all, let's talk about how does a woman know if her hormones are off? It depends a little bit who you talk to, and it depends what you mean by my hormones are off. So I think, unfortunately, if you go to a conventional OBGYN and say, can you check my hormones? There's a small panel of labs that we will run. And most of the time, if your periods are normal, those labs will come back in the lab normal range, right? They'll say, I mean, if you're having periods, your hormones are pretty normal in terms of what the lab will read. And this is something I have to explain to patients why sometimes testing is not as beneficial in especially those tests is because they fluctuate all the time. And so it can be really difficult to pin down by lab proof. But the other thing that I tell patients is if you feel like your hormones are abnormal, you're probably right. I mean, you know, your body, you know, when you're, if you've had PMS, you know, if you're having PMS. So I think that there's a lot to be said for trusting how you feel. There is specialized lab testing that can be done that you're probably not going to get with most of the conventional OBGYNs. And a lot of the recommendations from the bigger societies that give advice to OBGYNs recommend against some of the specialized testing. So it can be a little bit of a a tug of war for patients trying to find that testing. I think functional practitioners and integrated practitioners will for sure be more open to it. And I think there is some value to it. One of the things that I like to talk about though, too, is what if, what if your hormones are abnormal? There are specific measures we can take, but there are things that you can do before that, like an elimination diet, like making sure that you're having regular bowel movements, that your gut is healthy and that your gut is moving. So some people can go to practitioners and the practitioners say, yeah, I can help you. It'll just be $2,000. And patients are like, well, then who's supposed to help me? Where am I supposed to go? And so I think when people have limited resources, it can be, the answers are usually the same. Okay. Well, let's focus on your stress levels. Let's focus on your gut health. Let's focus on your nutrition. Let's focus on your sleep and things magically start to align. Now, some people will do all those things and still need to get additional help. And that's great. Um, And we can do that in people who are functionally trained and integrative trained, but I just like to emphasize, you know, it's, that's not the only way to start is to go have panels and panels of labs done. It certainly helps us target and I'm all for it. But if you feel like I just don't have the means for that, the answers are still usually the same address your gut address your sleep. And there are things that people can do at home. So for instance, let's talk about addressing your gut that actually is dietary changes. So what would you suggest to someone that says like my PMS is terrible or I'm not having my cycle or my cramps are terrible. My bleeding is really heavy. So then do you address dietary changes? Yeah. The first thing I like to suggest because of it's relatively easy and low hanging fruit is dairy. You know, if you can go off dairy for a month or two months, a lot of people will start to see whether it affects them or not. So that's kind of a nothing. None of this is easy. Unfortunately, you know, all of it, it's hard to make lifestyle changes. So all of it's hard, but that is one of the first things I'll talk about is like, let's just see, let's just see if dairy makes a big difference. Another thing that I do like to talk about is the idea of balancing hormones. So I use some bioidentical hormones with basic lab testing sometimes to start addressing those levels. And that will level things out in a, in a good way, even though that's not a dietary change, other dietary changes would be whatever it takes 
to make you have regular bowel movements. And that, you know, people don't always like talking about their poop, but I do it all the time. So it doesn't seem <laughs> weird to me, but our estrogen metabolism happens in the liver and then is excreted through the gut. So if you're not having regular bowel movements, it can really alter the estrogen levels. And so one of the things we talk about is just poop, whatever you can do, do that, you know, make sure that your bowel movements are regular. And going back to that lifestyle change of eating a nutrient dense, clean diet, that's always going to be the right answer. It's always going to be the right answer for everyone, partially because it makes you poop more regularly and it helps that excretion. It helps that detoxification pathway. So I think dairy-free, and if you can do it more of an elimination diet, um, and if you can't quite do the elimination diet, at least just trying to eat really clean and promoting regular bowel movements is a, is a great place to start. So do you say to get off of dairy because it's inflammatory? Is that the issue? It can be inflammatory, but lots of things are inflammatory and can affect female hormones. But dairy seems to have a specific correlation to a lot of female hormone related symptoms. So if someone's like, you want me to cut out what? Like, how? I mean, when, especially in my clinic right now, the patients who are coming to me, they are not the patients who are listening to functional medicine podcasts. You know, they're like, I've been on a birth control pill for 30 years and I'm having all these symptoms. So I really have to address it from a, I give them all the information and options, but some people really just have to be like, I can't do that. So then we say, okay, just try one thing, just try dairy. And that's usually pretty doable for a lot of people, but yeah, it, it has a specific correlation and it is inflammatory based. I'm sure, but it's specifically more so than like gluten and things like that. It can be related to PMS and funny hormonal symptoms. That's so interesting. So I actually have been off dairy for the first time ever in my life for like really? the past 25 days, just to try it for inflammation reasons. And for those listening, I figured out the trick. It was hard at first, but then as soon as I found substitutes that I yeah. liked, I was like, oh, this actually isn't bad at all. Like I found a coconut milk yogurt because I love yogurt. And so that was an easy switch. And then I found a good cream cheese that's non-dairy that I love. And so then that wasn't hard. So sometimes it's just about finding the swap so that you don't feel like you're being um, deprived of it. Exactly. Okay. I love that you talked about the liver with balancing the hormones because it does play a role in detoxing that estrogen and keeping those estrogen levels balanced. I know at times I've actually had high estrogen because my liver has needed some support. So do you suggest like glutathione? Do you suggest more fiber? What do you suggest for that? Absolutely. I mean, especially the fiber to help your bowel movements go regularly. And I, I tend to be a little less is more again, because I'm, I'm working with a lot of patients who either don't have a lot of means or don't have a lot of sort of brain space for these massive shifts in approach to treatment. So I focus first on evacuation, you know, first on the, on increasing fiber, having regular bowel movements, but glutathione can be a really good option for decreasing inflammation in general. So yeah, that's always a good option. There's some specific supplements that we talk about, like chase tree berry or Vitex is the same thing or DIM and those um, supplements can be used, but really it kind of depends a little bit on the specific situation. Um, but those can help with that estrogen metabolism as well. Actually, I'm glad you brought up supplements. Let's talk about supplements because I get asked that quite often. So if women are trying to balance their hormones or help a hormonal situation, are there certain supplements you suggest, or it just totally depends on the different situations? I think there are practitioners that you would talk to that would say, yes, everyone should be on this list of supplements. I'm not there yet in my clinical practice and I'm, I'm fairly early in my clinical practice. So I might change that at some point, but I think that, you know, in medicine, 
we treat each symptom with a pill. And what I don't want to do is go back to that and say, okay, everyone needs to have a 200, 300, $400 budget a month for their supplements. You know, that just seems to me not ideal. And there are supplements that we can help that can speed it along, but then talk to your practitioner and get the one that is going to have the biggest bang for your buck instead of spending hundreds of dollars on this cabinet full of supplements that you may or may not need. Because the other thing that's important about supplements is that not all are created equal, right? Mm -hmm. So you can buy your cheap supplement. And I think that's what people do is they say like, oh, well, I read about this supplement, so I'm going to start taking it. And they buy the cheap one. And then they're totally wasting their money because it may not even be a high quality supplement. And if their gut isn't healthy, then they're not even absorbing the supplement. So there is in as much as people want to say, like, I'm just going to do this on my own. I'm going to read about it. I'm going to go take the supplements on their own. There is value in sort of having that targeted approach with the practitioner who can help you say, yes, this one supplement is worth splurging on, like spend the money, get the expensive supplement and take that one instead of just randomly going and saying, well, I heard this one's good and this one's good and this one's good. I think that that can be limiting for some people. And going back, the answers are always going to be the same. We all need to focus on gut health. We all need to focus on sleep. We all need to focus on nourishment and nutrient dense food. And if you do, then that's where the supplements come from a lot of times, you know, is by getting the appropriate vitamins and minerals that we need. So it really, it's a little bit of a different approach from some people, but I really think like, let's focus on the core elements first. That's going to sustain you forever. Instead of saying, you know, start the supplement. And then people are like, so when do I stop the supplement? Like, I'm just going to be on it forever. I'm not anti-supplements either. Absolutely. There's a place for them, but I don't tend to blanket recommend, you know, everyone should be on this supplement. I actually really love your approach to supplements. And I'll tell you why. First of all, you can't outdo a bad diet with supplements. So it needs to start with the diet, adding the fruits and vegetables for the more fiber, adding more water, things like that. But second, when I was healing from depression years ago, we were so poor. And so I told the doctor, like, I don't have a ton of money for supplements. And so she was like, okay, instead of buying a probiotic, just go buy some kimchi and eat the fermented kimchi. And that will give you probiotics. Instead of buying vitamin D, spend at least 30 minutes outside walking and get that vitamin D from the sun as you're moving your body. And instead of like, she just gave me all these things that are in nature, or I was going to buy anyways, or was going to be cheaper that helped just as much as the supplements would have. Absolutely. It's that, you know, biggest bang for your buck thing again. And even those things, those lifestyle changes can seem really difficult for people, but it's one of the things that I've seen you say many times when talking about organic foods and switching your foods, like start small, you don't have to switch all of this tomorrow. You don't have to be perfect at all of this tomorrow, but this is always going to be the best way to take care of your body for all of us. And I am not perfect at this. You know, I don't do all of this stuff. Sometimes I stay up late scrolling on my phone, knowing that my eyeballs are being exposed to blue light. And then it's going to mess with my cortisol and my melatonin. And then I'm not going to sleep. And sure enough, I turn off my phone and I can't sleep for two hours. So I don't do it perfectly, but we can start, we can start shifting that over into the way that we're going to feel better and the way that our bodies are going to feel better and our bodies work together. It's such I could go all down this road and I won't, but when we start talking about the stress pathway, especially, and you see the cortisol levels in the sympathetic response and then the parasympathetic response, and you see the vast number of things that happen as we have that one reaction in our bodies, it's very clear that our bodies are meant to work in this great big puzzle. 
And so we start putting these puzzle pieces together and they function so well. Our bodies know what to do if we give them the right tools. And so it's really not about knowing every single new latest trend about staying on top of, do I fast for this long or do I eat this? Or, you know, like it's all the same. Focus on the core elements of health and wellness and you will be 90% of the way there. And then you can tweak it further with the right supplement and the right specific balance of intermittent fasting or whatever, you know. I love that because it's not about perfection. I'm not perfect either by any means. And it's just about taking one little step at a time. And I tell people it will be a lifelong journey because there's still little steps that I'm taking to better my health. So don't get overwhelmed. Just do one thing at a time, add in some more water, add in some more fiber, and you're on a good start. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to move topics a little bit. I want to talk to an OBGYN about postpartum. Because I know it is an issue out there. I know a lot of people deal with postpartum issues. So is postpartum depression or baby blues a real thing that is happening inside the body? I think so. I don't think we have all of the studies that say exactly what biochemical reaction is happening. And one of the things that I focus on with my postpartum patients is that it is so multifactorial. You know, there are massive changes happening in every aspect of your health and wellness. You know, if we go back to those pillars and you think about your intellectual wellness, that's like your career and the creativity side of your brain, like what you do with your brain. Think about the change that that is for some people. They go from, especially a first time mom, they go from having a full-time job, having a nine to five schedule five days a week. And then one day they have their baby and their life, their intellectual wellness, how they're using their brain and communicating with other people at work it changes 180 degrees to like talk to no one, do nothing, look at your baby. And we love our babies. It's wonderful. But you can see how that's major. And we don't exactly know the the biochemical downstream reaction that happens, but it changes something. And then you think about, yeah, you think about physical wellness and one day, you know, your body shifts from being pregnant and needing a certain set of things to be not pregnant and nursing or bottle feeding and having a totally different set of nutrients that it needs and having a totally different set of sleep schedule and you can't exercise or move your body. Like it is the most massive transition that our bodies go through. And so we have to look at all of those elements. And I think it's unfair to women to oversimplify it and say, this is just this thing that's happening because then you can only fix that thing. And what if that thing doesn't work? So I really love to talk to my postpartum patients about a wide variety of things. Like, are you getting any time to yourself? Like go sit in your car and breathe for five minutes without worrying about your baby. Your husband's going to take great care of your baby. Your husband needs a relationship with your baby too. Let that be. And you go breathe. Remember who you are as Mallory, you know, remember what I am and what I'm doing here because it's such a massive shift. So I really like to take a multifactorial approach to it. I do think there is a physical component too, but some of that is very transient. You know, two weeks is what I tell women. Two weeks, there will be this brain fog and teariness and moodiness, and you can't quite figure out what the heck is happening in your body and your mind and your soul. And then two weeks, people will often say, right at two weeks, I felt like a cloud lifted. And I I was like myself again. And I said, what happened? And so it's, I've heard it hundreds, thousands of times two weeks. So we don't want to get too involved in this messing with hormones and messing with tweaking things at that point, just write it out. But again, it goes back to the same old things, like a little bit of body movement, nutrient rich diet, 
get as much sleep as you can, which is complicated. Focus on your relationship. You know, it's all the same answers. That's really interesting. At two weeks, I feel like my exhaustion finally hit. And I was like, that's when my postpartum kicked in usually is that two weeks. Sure. Because I'm like, wow, I am so sleep deprived. This is terrible. But is there something though with the hormones? Because does giving birth lower certain hormones? Well, it puts you into a progesterone dominant state. So when you're breastfeeding, it's a progesterone dominant state. So yeah, that and the postpartum recovery. So most women are relatively estrogen. I don't want to say deficient because that makes it sound like something's wrong. I mean, the body did this. It's, it's the way it worked it out. So, but it does put it in a progesterone dominant state. So you get people who feel like they have some vaginal dryness. Some people will get hot flashes or night sweats in that early phase. Um, some people struggle with constipation. Those are all signs of that progesterone having the primary action right there. So in regular postpartum recovery, there are big hormonal shifts. Now, sometimes I think people are more sensitive to those shifts than others. And so that may be one of the triggers for postpartum depression. But again, it's so multifactorial because you could have someone whose hormones are perfect and they haven't slept or they haven't set their baby down because they are so stressed about something going wrong with their baby. That's not going to help you, right? That's going to put you in a bad place, regardless of what your hormones are and vice versa. You could have someone be doing all the right things lifestyle wise. They protected their sleep. They, their baby is sleeping well, and they do all these things and their hormones are just raging. So they're, they're feeling all out of sorts when I deal with patients with postpartum, it really takes a little bit of digging in and saying, let's figure out what needs to be tweaked so that you can feel better because it's not, there are absolutely hormonal changes, but everyone has hormonal changes, but not everyone reacts to those hormonal changes. So it's, it's a little bit tricky. Oh, that is tricky. So interesting enough, my progesterone actually after giving birth would always be terribly low. Interesting. Yeah. And so What do you think about bioidentical hormones for people that are dealing with postpartum? So some people will benefit from taking a progesterone shot at the time, and that hasn't been um, studied. It's never been proven to my knowledge in, in a randomized controlled trial, but I also don't think there's a lot of harm in it. So that is sometimes something that we'll do is give that progesterone supplement and see if it helps. Okay. So I know that some people call it the baby blues and they say, you know, give it a couple weeks. But then there is true depression, true postpartum depression. So at what point do you suggest women go get help? Well, number one, if they feel like they need help, they should go get help. So the thing that I tell patients over and over again is I tell them about this two-week transition where you some people don't necessarily feel depressed, but they feel very out of sorts, you know, the crying for no reason. And they say, what's wrong? I don't know, you know, and that is more of the baby blues. That's more of that weirdness in those first couple of weeks postpartum depression can occur in the first two weeks. So if it's something that's severe, if you're having suicidal thoughts or invasive thoughts that make you think like some people have these catastrophic thoughts, like maybe I should, you know, stand at the edge of this cliff right now. And it's not necessarily suicidal. Like I want to end my life, but they have these very intrusive thoughts. That's not normal. And that should always be, you should always talk to your provider about that. Otherwise, it kind of depends on the combination of severity of symptoms and longevity of symptoms. So if it's been going on for a long time, even if it's pretty low range, you know, depressive symptoms, then that's when I start thinking about postpartum depression. If it's only been going on for a short time, but it's very severe, then that's another time. 
Another thing that we don't think about is, is what happened before you have the baby. Some people feel amazing leading up and then kind of crash after. Some people really struggle in the months leading up and then just continue that struggle downward. So if it's my patient and I've been taking care of them and talking to them about their mood for the last two months before they deliver, and then the couple weeks after they're like, I'm feeling even worse, then we might address that more quickly than we would someone else who's like, I was perfectly fine and now I'm just feeling all out of sorts. But everyone benefits from those same lifestyle changes of saying, you know, okay, well, now's the time that we do really gentle body movements and stretches. Now's the time that you have this conversation with your husband and make sure that he understands how you're feeling. Now's the time that you protect your sleep, which is impossible. I get it. But still, if your mood is not doing well and your brain isn't, doesn't feel like it's firing like it should, you have to sleep. There has to be a way to get sleep. So sometimes we go into like, whatever help that they need to be able to get their bodies what they need to to recover. Yeah, I know sleep is a huge thing. We figured out quite early on that my husband had to take one of the first night feedings just so I could get yeah. a longer stretch of sleep to get that REM sleep because if I didn't, I was a mess and so that we just knew that helped tremendously. So it is talking with your partner as well to see how they can help. Yes. I have another question about postpartum though because some people don't get help. And then maybe five months in six months, seven months, they just are feeling terrible. So at that point, it's still postpartum depression, right? That's right. Anytime in the first 12 months. And that's something I really talk about at their six week visit is some people will feel okay. And we talk about postpartum depression and some people are a little resistant to that, you know, like, oh, I'm not depressed. No, this is, I'm just a little whatever. And that's something that I don't care what we call it, but let's have an honest discussion about I want you to feel your best. And that's one of the things that I say over and over is one of the saddest things I see is I'll see people for their annual exam a year later, and they will come back and tell me like, oh my gosh, I was so depressed for the entire year. And I didn't even notice until it suddenly I popped out of it. And that makes me so sad because that's a year with your newborn that you don't get back. And that's a year that some of these people look back and say, I hated that year. It was so hard for me. Like, Let's address it while you're going. And so if you don't feel like you're yourself, we should talk, you know, especially after it's been a little while. So yeah, absolutely. That first 12 months is at risk. And so why do you think women don't want to talk about it? Do you think they're shameful in having to admit that they're feeling depressed? I think it's a lot of different things. One of the things actually I hear the most that makes me really sad is they'll tell me my husband doesn't understand. He doesn't want me to take medication or he doesn't, he doesn't think I'm depressed. He just thinks I need, you know, X, Y, and Z. And that that's always hard for me because even well-meaning, and these are sometimes husbands that I know well, and I know they're supportive, but I think sometimes they can want to like make everything okay. Like, no, 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 no. You don't have a problem. We just need to, you know, whatever. And so that's one of the things I hear the most is I don't really want to talk about this with my husband. And so I think some people are even nervous to talk about it with me because if they've had a negative reaction from a family member or a friend about, you know, the negative view of depression, I think that can cultural expectations can be a big deal. I think also there is such intense cultural pressure in being the perfect mom and social media. I absolutely hate for this reason, because (laughs) I think it's so damaging. You know, you have people, these influencers who I don't mean that negatively. I I think influencers are great, but there are some influencers who share their postpartum journey and make it look totally uneventful and totally uncomplicated. And if it is, I'm happy for them, of course, but it creates this expectation sometimes unknowingly for women that like, I should also have that. And if I'm not having that simple, beautiful, I fit into my jeans recovery, 
that there's something wrong with me. Like I'm doing this wrong. And so I think a lot of women are like, oh no, I don't have depression. I'm just flawed. I'm just messed up. Huh. Like if I could just fix myself, then it'd be fine. And it was like, yeah, let's fix yourself. Like let's make you feel better. Right. So it is, it's really an interesting thing that people do have a hard time. Not everyone. Some people are come to me and say, I think I have postpartum depression. I say, great, let's talk about it. But there is sometimes some resistance to receiving that diagnosis. Yeah, that all makes sense. That's actually why I'm trying to be vocal on Instagram about me dealing with depression, because while I dealt with it, I never heard anybody talk about it. And I want people to know like, hey, it's okay. It's just something you're dealing with. Your body is struggling with something and you can get help. There's healing available. Let's talk about this and let's not feel shameful about it because I did feel shameful about it for years and years. And so I want to make it really clear because I actually had a good friend pass away um, due to postpartum depression. And so it's something I'm passionate about. So if someone is listening right now that is struggling with postpartum depression, what should they simply go do? Just call their doctor and go in and say, help? That's the first step that I would try. Unfortunately, you know, I've heard from patients and, and friends that that doesn't always work. You know, sometimes they feel dismissed in which case I would say, call a different doctor and then call a different doctor. And I think one of the hard things about severe depression is that they feel like they don't have it. Like I don't have anything else to give in which case you tell one person you trust, you tell your husband, you tell your mom, you tell your girlfriend. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little emotional about this but it is something I feel passionate about. And I feel so sad when, when I get women coming to me and they felt like they didn't have help. And I say, I was right here the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like I'm here for you. And so even in my best, my best efforts and my best intentions, even some of my own patients feel like they can't or, or don't want to come to me. So absolutely call. If you feel like you, you can't do it yourself, tell one person you trust and you say, I need help. And I need you to call whoever you need to call and get whatever help you need to get me until I can get in and see someone because it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to not get that help. And then of course, an emergency department is always available too. If people really feel like I'm in a deep, dark place, an emergency department is a decent place to start. It's not always great. And and it's a flawed system for sure. But but at least if you're talking to someone and can be in a safe place and can start to get that help, the answers aren't always quick, unfortunately, but get the help. I love that you're passionate about it because it just shows that you're a doctor that really wants to help others. And I'm passionate about it as well, because like you said, women shouldn't have to suffer. And a lot of things do happen to their body when they give birth. And so find the help that you need. And I love that you said, call a different doctor if you need to, because I had to go to doctor after doctor after doctor until I found somebody that could help me. And so that's okay to do. And when I did find a doctor that helped me, at one point there was a day that I called and said, I need to get in like today or tomorrow, or I may not make it. And a lot of times doctors will be willing to make an emergency appointment. And so I say that for whoever's listening out there that needs postpartum help as well. That's right. Thank you for talking about hormones and mental well-being and postpartum. Are there any other tips that you want to tell women or recommend to women? Oh, so many. (laughs) I think there's just so many good things that we get to do. And I guess that would be the big thing is going back to not feel overwhelmed, but to see this as an opportunity to just find forward movement, find forward progress. I really see our health and wellness as two sort of interlocking circles of our wellness on one side, where we look at our, our daily routines and our patterns, you know, what are we doing for our intellectual wellness and what are we doing for our physical wellness and our emotional wellness? 
and really looking at that, those routines set ourselves up for success, but interlocking with that ring of wellness is the ring of health. And that's our sleep and our body movement and our body nourishment. All of those things go hand in hand. And that's really what we get to address and create this amazing life for people. So I would just say, take it one step at a time and recognize, like you said, that it's going to be a journey and it's not going to be overnight, but the more that our culture trends towards this way, and it is, it is trending in this way, the more we as a culture can move in this way that says, hey, I prioritize sleep too, then it's going to be easier for all of us. So the more that individuals who are doing it can speak up and be encouraging to other people, I think the better. Oh, I love it so much. I really hope our culture is moving towards that direction. I hope so. <laughs> Especially after all this craziness of 2020, 2021. Let's hope everybody has learned that Oh yes, their own yeah. health is very important. Dr. Craycroft, I have loved everything you have talked about. Where can women find you? Where can they get help from you? I am on Instagram right now. It's at um, Mallory Craycroft MD which is, it can be a little bit of a bear to spell, um, but I'm sure it'll be in your show notes there. Yep. So it's Mallory Craycroft MD on Instagram. And then my website is upliftforher.com. And I encourage people to follow along because I have some really exciting things coming up this year. So I have a new podcast coming out next month. Where, oh, I didn't know that. Yes, I'm really excited about it. So we're going to be talking about um, everyday wellness for women. So the these strategies and sort of daily things that you can implement to just kind of find that next level up. So we'll talk a little bit about those core pillars, but more so about individual components that feed into our wellness, like wellness and intimacy and wellness and parenting and wellness and sleep. And so I'm really excited. I've got uh, several of the episodes recorded already. So I'm really excited to share that. So oh, I'm excited to listen to those. I'm glad Thank you mentioned you. that. Thank you. And then after that, I have some digital courses coming out that the first ones I'm releasing are wellness and pregnancy. So that's a three-part mini course series. And the first one is the first trimester and sort of dealing with some of the physical stuff that we talk about as doctors. So the instructions for having a healthy pregnancy, nutrients and body movement and stretches and things like that, but then also the wellness component. So it will have some really simple guided meditations about, you know, connecting with your baby and sort of laying in bed at night with your hands on your belly and, and sending love to your baby. And so it's, it's not too far out there, but I think they're really lovely. And then the second course will be the end of pregnancy and delivery. And then the third course, like we were just talking about, will be all about postpartum and sort of preparing for the postpartum transition and how wellness fits into that. So really we can utilize our systems and our routines to really optimize that and hopefully prevent a lot of postpartum depression. So I'm really excited about those courses. And then I have one for adolescents and wellness. So teenage girls and mm. wellness. Oh, that will and be good. I'm thrilled about it. I cannot wait. And then um, I have one coming up after that for perimenopause and menopause and wellness. So oh, that's so, needed too. I yes, need that one. There's so many good things. And I'm, I'm so excited to share it because it's something I've been working on for a long time. So that will be coming up this year, kind of unfolding through the year. And then the thing I'm most excited about is at the end in the fall this year, I'm going to be opening an um, integrative health and wellness clinic for women where wow. I get to actually do this because I just can't do it in my current conventional OBGYN practice where, you know, insurance makes me have 15 minute appointments. I just can't do it. And so I'm really excited to be able to sit down with women and spend an hour with them and really look at all of these different components of health and optimize them so that women can, so I can treat the whole woman, you know, instead of just treating their periods, which, and I also want to treat their periods, but I want to treat the whole woman. 
That's incredible. I'm actually really excited for all of the stuff that is coming out. Tell us, is your clinic virtual or will you have to be in person and where will it be? It's going to be in Salt Lake where I am, but it will have um, virtual capabilities. Because of medical licensure, I can only take Utah State residents right now, but they can be in St. George. I mean, they can be anywhere and then we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. But for right now, it'll be Utah State residents online or um, in person. I love hearing this. You are going to be able to help so many women. And I know so many women are out there struggling. So thank you for what you are doing. Thank you. I hope so. I am, I'm so passionate about it. And um, I just can't wait to, to start helping people in sort of a different way. I feel like I've been flirting with it for a while and helping people kind of dive into it. But right now I have these amazing conversations with women in my clinic and don't have the, the time or space to really follow with them. So just say, okay, you got it. Okay, good luck. I hope right. that works for you. So this way I'll actually be able to, to really stay with them through that journey and, and help them all the way along. Wow. You're going to be such a blessing in so many women's lives. Oh, thank thank you. you. Thank you. So I always close my podcast with asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. I just have to go back to that self-love. I think that self-love is the trigger, which I wish there were different words for it because I think it sounds so out there for some people or so cheesy for some people, but you can't get around it. If you don't have that love and that relationship with yourself, why would you take care of yourself? Why would you spend the money on the organic foods to nourish your body? If you don't have that love for yourself, why would you push yourself to accomplish something? It is at the root of everything that we do. And you know, it affects our relationships. If we don't have that love for ourselves. we're hypersensitive to criticism. It's so massive. So if we can have that relationship for, with ourselves, that we say, I recognize I have value and I recognize I have something incredible for me that is uniquely me and my life. Then that's where you get to start accomplishing these amazing things and having this incredible life. So for me, it all goes back to that relationship with self. And that's how you get to make all these amazing changes. I so agree. It's so important. And I believe with that self-love is also a gratitude for your body because the body is miraculous. When you study all the intricate little things that the body does without us even knowing it, it's just true miracles is what's going on. And so if we're grateful for our body and grateful for everything that it's doing and the life it's providing us, then we also learn to love it and show our gratitude back to it. And so I love that. Thank you, Dr. Craycroft, so much for being here today. I really have loved um, talking to you. And I actually hope you can come back and we could talk about maybe like the first trimester that so many people struggle with. And we could talk about birth. There's so many more things we could talk about. So I'll do it anytime. Oh, that would be great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.